0: all right and we're gonna roll in three two and one Hello and welcome to the Monthly eBreak, your super rad and super drifty podcast devoted to the sideways sport we all love, coming to you not just once, but twice a month. I am your host, Matthew, joined by my co-host and good friend, Ricky. Since everybody is new to this podcast, and this is our inaugural episode, it is an apt time to talk about our vision. We just want to talk about drifting, talk with you guys, our listeners, about drifting, and we want to talk more than just pro-drifting. We want to talk about the heart of drifting, the grassroots movement, drifting style and technique, and of course, automotive news that relates to none other than drifting. That all being said, by the time we did record this podcast, Formula D round one and two have of course occurred. So naturally, this episode will be heavy with talk about Formula D. But first, I want to take a moment here to introduce each other and give you guys a bit of our background. So, Ricky, why don't you go ahead and go, man? All right.
1: Got into it around 2005, 2006. First car was a S13 hatch. Dad got it for me. Um, I grew up in dirt roads, so it was just kind of natural to start uh, hitting the gas a little bit, you know? And and then also my background was a lot of circle track racing, so I was around – the dirt track and the sliding corners and all that to begin with. So when I got the two hundred and forty, it, it it just amplified from there. I mean, yeah, you, you know how the story goes. It, you know, clutch kick and all that good stuff started. Started learning all that, and a drastic forest fire from there.
0: Definitely. So in two thousand five, two thousand six. Just so the <laughs> listeners have transparency, how old were you at that point? Would have
1: been six, 15, 16. Yeah, like for first car. For
0: yes, sure. and we met. I I want to say I know we were talking about this off the podcast the other day. But I think <laughs> yeah. that we met somewhere around like 2010 or 11. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a little, little bit later. Um, the sport was growing, and actually growing faster because of the Fast and Furious movie. So, so the popularity had grown. It. And it's funny because me and you meeting is is a blur. In the timeline, we don't exactly know specifically specifically when.
0: We've had this convo,
1: so yeah, yeah, we could go back and forth about the what you know, my wife says, your wife says, and what me and you say. Like we 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 don't know, but it was it it was around the time of it getting more popular for sure. Like you said, I think 2010, maybe a little. I I think I was out of high school at the time, so yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think it I think it was because I think I met you and i had already met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and that was in 2010. I think it was not okay. long after that. And of course, then we had drifty nights that were totally legal. And, uh, all oh, for of sure. Stuff. But uh, <laughs> so so for the listeners, my name is, uh, like I said, Matthew. Uh, and I got into the sport. I really got into the sport around 2002. And I was, I think, 12 at the time or maybe 13, kind of depending. Um I started to follow it actually a little before that, just from my love of cars as a kid. Uh, my sister had a 1992 LE, not the SE, but the LE, uh, white hatch. And uh, because I loved that car, that that was one of the first cars I remember. My love for 240SXs began there. Uh, as a kid, I was enamored by the automatic seatbelts, who everybody now hates when they grow up. And uh, oh, I nostalgia. ended up getting, yeah. And I ended up <laughs> getting a white '91 SE hatch for my first car at 14 years old. And uh, I paid $2,500 for it. And it was super clean. Very, very nice little car. Um, and, unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. All stock except Bless. for I had a Kenwood head unit. That was it. Kenwood head Prove unit. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I, sold, I ended up selling that car, by the way, to a local back in 2009 for $1,200. Wow. Running and everything. Yeah, 1200 bucks. Crazy. You lost money on a 240? I did. So I just needed a fast sell. So I had already (laughs) had my second 240 at the time. I bought my second, my S14 when I was 16 and I bought that car. So that was like 2006. And uh, I bought that one and I needed to just get rid of my other one. After a couple of years, I was kind of neglecting it. So I sold it for 1200 bucks and I regret it every day. Every day I regret it.
1: (laughs) I regret it for you.
0: So Ricky, how many, I mean, I know the answer to this, but how, how many uh, S chassis have you owned now over time?
1: From my recollection, seven. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's seven. One of those possibly be, or one of them definitely being co-owned, but maybe two of them possibly being co-owned like group projects where we threw in on some just strictly cars for those Mexican street meets we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's seven S chassis. Yeah. Yeah. I was, mix everything.
0: I was thinking about this the other day. So I've owned nearly all of the USDM S chassis at this point. So I owned a, I've even owned a five speed vert. It was a converted mm-hmm. five speed. It was very clean. A lot of fun. Nice. Uh, so I have owned. I had one. It was fun. It was a fun daily driver. I had it for like less than a year and I traded it for an SR hatch. Uh, so uh, but what I paid for the Good vert, trade, yeah, what I paid for the Vert was 2500 $2, and that was back in 2010. No, 2011. I think it was 2011. I paid like 2500 for that car and then I traded it for an SR hatch. So I effectively paid 2500 for a SR hatch. That was um Dang. kind of like the blue color that like the initial D S13 blue. Uh,
1: okay. I can't
0: think of exactly like what color that would be called, but it was kind of that blue color it's cool color. It clean, had arrow yeah. on it. Stock wheels though, so mega <laughs> fail. But no. Still cool for twenty five hundred bucks. I ended up selling that for like thirty eight hundred, so I made money on that car. But even still, thirty eight hundred deal for an SR that mm-hmm. run. So yeah, I mean, yeah. But Definitely. yeah, so I was thinking like overall, I've had, I think I have had four total. So I've had hatch, a coupe, and an S fourteen. The only the only one I haven't had uh, is of course the kooky S fourteen. But I really have no desire to own that. I'm a zinky person, so.
1: All right, I like that. I I also have not had a cookie. I think I'm at two Zenski Zinkies, and then I had one Coupe, and the rest were S13 hatches. One S13 Coupe, and the, and the rest S13 hatches. I mean, as far as like what I paid for them, the first one that my dad gave me, he bought he he's he's a mechanic. He bought it from uh, somebody he worked with for a thousand dollars as his daily commuter, bone stock. It was the The champagne color, or whatever it's called, the kind of tan with the brown interior, perfect interior, perfect exterior. Until I got a hold of it, driving down the road (laughs) in the notorious S thirteen hatch, rust, and the and and the wing flew off at like seventy miles an hour and just scared Uh the crap out of me. And then I had uh, graduated high school and got a red hatch for eighteen hundred bucks. And that one was same condition uncracked dash perfect you know all the all the stuff the s13 guys or 240 guys period look for and then enter you know a couple more hatches and i had a s14 that i paid 500 bucks for ran and drove i didn't have a title but you know comparison for today's standards 500 bucks nothing wrong with it just a missing title and the title was missing. It was like a flood car or something, but we got it, made it a track car, and it was awesome. I remember that one. Yeah, um, yeah. You saw the spray <laughs> had spray painted one. And we were at a KMS and all that. It was cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and there was then, no windshield. There's no windshield. On yeah, that one,
1: right? the, it was purpose built. You know, <laughs> it. it uh, we, we 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 took missile. That was at, at the missile car crave. Yeah, there you go. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that uh, we took that to the next level. We're like, we have no money let's make it drift as best as possible. And that means maximum weight reduction. Oh, I forgot to mention it was auto. It was I completely didn't automatic. That. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was automatic transmission. So that's not good.
0: And,
1: uh, oh man. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, I, I live out in the woods. So we spent most of its time out here on the dirt roads and kind of getting our, our redneck on in it, but it did make it to a couple of drift events and, and, and it was cool. And, and like I said, a couple of Mexican events. So
0: so before we, uh, so before we exit the uh, introduction phase of the podcast, uh, let's touch really quick. I don't want to like focus too much time on this because we'll talk about it in other podcasts a little bit more. Let's just kind of like, uh, like, let's talk about our current drifting projects. So what are you currently working on or driving for drifting?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it either because it's all bad news. A, <laughs> I got a 95 Mustang GT. I got it for 900 bucks. It was, I don't know, supposedly somebody pulled out in front of this kid and he did evasive maneuvers and tragically lost control. Uh, judging by the tires that were on it when I bought it, only the rear ones were showing belts. So I think he was trying to get into what we're talking about now, a little bit of drifting and lost it. So I put a door, a fender and a windshield on it and, and got it running and driving. It's got feels coilovers on it um uh, chopped up you know spindles and and lower control arm angle kit from aaron mansfield he he makes really good stuff a lot a lot of people know him He he's doing some cool stuff it, it's a really good kit i got a really good deal on it also when i was living in washington state um we, we can talk more about that too this scene out there when i was there but the car is is just basic like just super budget I threw my money at what mattered. You know, like I said, I, I got the better coilovers. The engine stock doesn't have a roll cage. It's got a, like an NRG seat, you know, Amazon harness, nothing crazy. It's just all about seat time. That's yeah, it, man.
0: Get yeah, back, it's, back it's, into the gravy.
1: Right. That's right. Where I want to be on the track. So it's a it's a pretty basic setup besides that.
0: So I wish that I could say I was close to getting back in the gravy. So I have my (laughs) S14 that I alluded to earlier. It was my second car. I bought it. It was a two-owner car, and I bought it when I was 16 years old. Uh, That was back in 2006 or 7, roughly. And uh, I've had that car ever since. I'll never get rid of it. I love it. It still has stock WKO. Uh, It's white pearl. Of course, the White Pearl is looking super rough these days. It used to look beautiful and I got it. I got it from a guy who raced Porsches by the way and he kept this as his garage queen or his garage queen and he told me when he got it, he showed me the trunk and it looked brand new and still had like wrap in it and he was like, I think I put one bag of mulch back here one time. It was just impeccable but it had like 180,000 miles because he drove it like for traveling all the time. 180,000 miles. So a lot of miles at the time but just a beautiful chassis. I mean, I bought that car for 3,900 today. probably be like 9,000. Like, I mean, easy. Oh probably. yeah. It, it was like, compatible. for sure. Uh, so I have an SR in that blacktop S14 SR. Uh, the SR doesn't really do much right now because instead it just decided to uh, not run. So I'm currently trying to diagnose that. And, uh, they'll, they'll
1: do that. You know, those Nissan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hashtag Nissan. Yeah. <laughs> And and it, it used to have really cool parts. So it did have WEDs, uh, my favorite wheels. So it had WEDs, Bosrays, and they were kind of cool. Deep dish, nice and shiny. I sold it, those for $1,000. I regret that. It decision. looks so
1: awesome. It looks so awesome just for everybody listening, just so they know.
0: Thank you. It's yeah, it, it was there. good looking. And it's on coilovers and it has a Cause Super Q 2A and some pretty basic stuff. The interior is still pretty much all stock. I kept it kind of like that on purpose. As I always had a second 240 as well, but these days I don't. So I'm gonna have to figure out that project again so I can actually get seat time. But you're much closer than I am on the seat time goal. So it's gonna be a yeah. bit for me. We're we're both like in this uh,
1: the situation where I'm kind of jealous of you, and you're a little bit jealous of me. <laughs> I want another 240 so bad, but I'm so stubborn. I'm like, I'm not paying none of you guys those asking prices. Not not, not a chance. And then you're like, you don't know, want to get on the track, but you got a mint 240. So it's like, it's a struggle.
0: Dude, it's I'm going to tell right. you what, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to have a whole <laughs> podcast dedicated to calling out people, inflating the drifting scene with drift tax. That's right. You, you, you <laughs> particularly Gen Zers, you young people. We're going to be coming after you hard in a oh, future yeah. podcast. Uh, it's going to be with no whole Yeah. You're ticking me off. You know, stop charging yeah. Ferrari prices for a $2,000 car. Come on. I've,
1: I've literally given one away for free.
0: So, it happens. Yeah, it's, it's it's getting ridiculous these days, and you exactly. you guys, we're gonna come for you in a future podcast. After we build a a better base, though, because we don't want to yeah. you know, turn away any of our listeners yet. Exactly, so, but uh, I I want a
1: lot of people listening so we can build a mob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if we get people in our age range, we definitely will. I think that I'll probably agree. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, Let's get into uh, the good stuff. Uh, yeah, I wanna, the biscuits like, here. That's right. The biscuits. <clears throat> we're from the South, people. Like, deal with it. Um, yes, yeah, so... gravy's coming later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we currently have had uh, round one and two of Formula D this season. Already took place. St. Louis, of course. It was a great event. Uh, both events were pretty good, including Pro 2s. You can really say all three events were pretty good. Um let's let's touch on that a bit. So I don't want to spend too much time here. Obviously, we're recording this podcast after it. In the future, we'll spend a little bit more time on discussion for Formula D. Uh but basically I want to go ahead and touch on something as well. You and I both texted each other prior to Formula D, so we have receipts. We can Mm -hmm. prove this and (laughs) they would call us on it. But we kind of text each other predictions. And uh, I asked what you thought. Uh, I told you to pick two winners. I think this year that's fair because there's two rounds. So your best shot is to pick two potential winners. We didn't have a bracket then either when we did that. Uh, Now they have the bracket out much earlier. So you can actually kind of like guess. Yeah. Uh, So I picked, of course, Odie and Die. Neither one of my guys won. Odie, of course, did place uh, twice on the podium, though. So I think it was a pretty good pick. You picked Osbo and Odie, if I remember correctly, right? I'm trying to remember correctly as well, and I, 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 that's what I have. I, we have received. We sure. can go look at this if need yeah. Be. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and your picks were absolutely outstanding. You picked one person who podiumed twice, and then you, of course, picked the winner of day one and very well may have competed for day two, if not for technicality. Uh, right. So you definitely won that particular round. We've got to come up with a point system and see who does better at the end of the year. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah, for guesses. Yeah. And and I also asked you kind of who your dark horse was. For me, I picked Kazuya Taguchi. Uh, And I use that reasoning as he really came on at the end of last year. I spent a little bit of time talking with him last year in Florida. He was extremely amped about the S15. I could tell that he had a lot of passion for it. So not only do I have a bias of wanting him to win, I think he's actually going to come on strong this year. And he did in round one and two. And I think he would have made it farther in round two had his car, of course, not messed up, which we'll touch on in a second. Uh, so pretty impressed with his driving. You picked, uh, remind me, actually, I know the answer to this, but I don't want to take your time. So you pick, you go ahead and say. You I, I don't horse. remember. You picked Chelsea.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I thought I did. But again, I wasn't sure if that was my bias coming in, which me and you have talked about
0: before as well. But Yeah, I think anybody that I, finished outside of the top five last year, I believe Chelsea did. Mm-hmm. I believe I have to look. I think would be considered a dark horse.
1: yeah. Yeah, the the Osbo and Odie was just by kind of by numbers because of the Warthouse guys pulling out. They they threw a major wrench in the gears there. So all your previous for the past three years picking your choices based on performances is it, hard because you're looking at, you know, Dean and Visick finishing first and second in a lot of events or on the podium, period. I I just remember Osbo podiuming them with as well, uh I think for eight or nineteen and eighteen, two thousand nine, two thousand eighteen, is basically where I base that on. And and he's such a good driver, so polished. He's he's kind of easy to predict, you know. On, on a more technical course, I thought it would. I'm sorry, Osbo did does really well. And denofa I'm I'm gonna throw him in there as much as I can. Just just because I I like the guy's driving style. So.
0: So just to follow up with what I said uh, so we are looking uh, at the 2019 standings Chelsea Donofa finished 8th so yeah. definitely uh, outside your top 5 and maybe that's a little like liberal saying top 5 maybe I should have said outside top 10 but eight's close enough and just uh, to catch people up I had picked uh, Kazuya Taguchi as I said so that was fif- he, fin- he finished 15 last year so certainly a, a dark horse candidate yeah, and um, so who, who did? On. Go ahead. Who's who's done a lot
1: better? Taguchi uh fi- finished much better. Oh yeah, th- this year, like like oh, yeah. growing as a
0: driver, big time. He's much better than when he was in the R35. Uh, and yeah. and he when I talked to him in yeah. Florida, he he talked about that at length that he wasn't really comfortable driving the R35 and the S15. He just loves, and I don't think a lot of people realize. I think we you and I have like talked about this before. His S15 has the uh, VR35, I believe, which is the Skyline motor. Well, I mean, I know that's what it has. I think it's the VR35. I'm trying to make sure I don't confuse the engine code, uh, which is the R35 motor. Uh, it's one of the most powerful cars, I believe, in Formula D. I think he's over 1,000 horsepower easy. So he's he's not certainly coming. Like a lot of the Japanese drivers drive with less horsepower in Japan. Uh, Kazuya is not doing that. He, he's got a horsepower right. to compete with pretty much any. Uh, I think series. it's going to be a VR thirty eight, just for correct. V R thirty eight, that's what it is. V R thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It it
1: showed his, his progression showed. And like you're saying, if it had anything to do with the chassis, then then the guy knows his cars and 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 he's,
0: he's a competitor for sure. He's young and he's aggressive, and I definitely enjoy yeah. that. And, and, uh, yeah, me too. I love course. watching him. Yeah, Chelsea, your guy is very aggressive, uh, so it's oh, yeah. very fun to watch as yeah. well. So, all right, let's touch a little bit on Pro 2. I don't want to like completely skip over Pro 2, and I want to make sure in future episodes we certainly do a little bit more talk of Pro 2. From round one of Pro 2, I actually thought that was probably the best Pro 2 I've ever watched. There was legitimate contenders in there. Uh, and to tell people kind of how it went down, first place was Joshua Love, a rookie who won the podium for first place. Second place went to Jonathan Hurst, who, in my opinion, is driving a G37. And in my opinion, uh, I thought he was the most impressive driver by far. And I, I was very impressed. I think he could easily compete in pro one uh, if he has a car that's worthy of that. And then third place is Austin Mata. And uh, yes, if you've been around drifting long enough, it is in fact that Austin Mata, who is a rookie in pro two this year, the one that had the famous or infamous video where he was a, a pro-am drifter going around the mall trying to impress people and he took a lot of heat for that but that guy came out with a chip on his shoulder that guy is no joke austin Mata can drive people like absolutely can it was a very impressive first showing regardless of what you think of him so that was your podium so pro one so let's uh, start with round one so that was saturday's event uh, so to catch people up, if you haven't watched Formula D this year, you just happen to miss the first round or haven't paid attention to the news, which I highly doubt that you'd be listening to this if you didn't. But there's no qualifying this year because of COVID. There's going to be four different tracks and they're doing two rounds each track. So it's back-to-back days, Saturdays and Sundays. So you're going to have eight total rounds at four locations. And there's no qualifying It's randomly picking and assigning driver's numbers. So you're... um your, your pro one let's i'm gonna just go ahead and like break down the top eight because i don't think we should cover 16 and 32 unless there's something that particularly stands out from our memories so your top eight going into pro one round one uh, was Kazuya Taguchi against forsberg dan burkett against frederick osbo od bakchis against jtp and then ryan turk against dylan hughes that was your eight out of the eight is there anybody that you were really surprised with um I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of drawing a little bit of a blank. No, you're good, man. I think Dylan Hughes surprised me a bit. Uh, he drove very well, picking up from last year. Of course, Taguchi ended up losing to Forsberg in the top eight. Uh, but Forsberg really drove well uh, that particular round. Taguchi certainly pushed a little bit and made some errors. Osbo shredded everybody. Uh, Dan Burkett didn't really stand a chance in the top eight. Uh, Odie looks yeah, like a yeah. man on a mission and Pollock kind of finishes where he normally does somewhere in the top eight. It doesn't, it feels like JTP is constantly on the outside looking at like he drives really well. He drives really consistent. He's had basically the same chassis for a long time, but he, he always seems to finish. He he He's not one to get eliminated in the top 32 much, but he certainly is not one to make the final four much either. Uh, Absolutely. So it's, um, it's interesting. dynamic. Yeah.
1: I don't know if it's the, uh, The competition that gets to him you know the 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 pressure maybe if he's trying to push a little bit harder than than he should be and but like you're saying yeah he he kind of seems to be at a, a a very consistent finisher for sure
0: yeah and Hughes beat Matt Fields so I guess going back to the top 16 that was an interesting one so Hughes beat Matt Fields which a lot of people do of course like Matt Field and think that he's a pretty aggressive driver. Hughes beat him. Hughes ended up versing Turk, and Turk ended up, of course, winning. Turk surprised me a ton. If I had to pick a driver I was most surprised with in round one and then also two, spoiler alert, uh, it would have to be Ryan Turk. I didn't think switching to such a drastically different chassis, he was going to come out and do what he did. He was absolutely absolute competitor. It's nice. He might be in, in the best driving position he's been in a long time. So Definitely. Was, I, I think the
1: car he has is, is really, um, like you said, it seems to show that maybe he's feeling a difference in the chassis. That's really helping him a lot. But I also think that Turk has had a few kind of, uh, out of nowhere moments, I guess is what I'm looking for here. Like, uh, last year in Texas, he showed up, you know, and and did really surprisingly better than he usually does. He, he's one of the same ones. Like we were saying about JTP Hill, sure. he, he's kind of a consistent finisher, um and every now and then he'll he'll podium um yeah. like not, i said texas much, yeah. yeah right yeah not not very often and and he he did well obviously saturday he won.
0: yeah so so going let's go to, let's go ahead and move to the top four so forsberg of course beat taguchi in the top eight um taguchi drove well but forsberg certainly deserved the win i thought that uh forsberg actually looked like he was a man on a mission i think going <laughs> to be interesting to watch this year regardless of people's opinions of forsberg Osbo beat Dan Burkett, and as I alluded to earlier, Osbo beat everybody. So, again, spoiler (laughs) alert for, like, two minutes from this moment. But Osbo wins this event and wins it, no question, in my opinion. Odie beat JTP, uh, and JTP, I thought, drove well. Odie was just – he's a man on a mission this year. That's why I I picked him. So, also, something else we, I guess, didn't touch on. I pick Odie as my overall winner for the season. I think he's going to be the guy who wins the point chase. So um, I do want to make that clear. So uh, I think Odie's a man on a mission this year. He was dialed in the S-15, and, and he beat JTP, even though I thought JTP drove relatively well. Uh, and Turk beat Hughes. That's not too surprising. I think Turk is an easy right. matchup there. But Dylan has drove really well uh, this year in both rounds. So I do want to point that out. So your, your four were Forsberg against Osbo, Turk against Bacchus, which ended up going to Osbo versus Turk for the finals, which Osbo ran away with uh osbo absolutely killed it in the new a90 supra so that was exciting for a lot of people i think to see i am admittedly you know this not the biggest osbo fan uh because i yeah. don't <laughs> like that the corolla is in formula d uh, i'm right. not a big fan of a converted front wheel drive car where it's not converted they made it that way for the event but it's not a natural front wheel drive or real wheel drive car i always thought that it was kind of cheating I know that's controversial to have yeah. that car because the weight balance is different it runs different spec wheels and tires and some of the other cars are able to run uh it's just not yeah. as easy to spin regardless of what people say just the weight balance is a lot different look at the hood for example it's a lot shorter your engine bay is a lot shorter the weight balance is just different but he shut me up in this round because with a supra <laughs> it was easily as impressive oh yeah uh, if not more impressive i mean he absolutely killed it yeah anything else you want and- to add from pro one round one well again
1: about Turek and Osbo there. Osbo's going against his old car. If there were any weaknesses yeah. with the car, I mean Osbo's prepared for him. And but still, you know, Turek did really well in a brand new chassis. And with everything that you just said, a, a very different chassis than what anybody else is used to driving. So just just shout outs to two really good drivers.
0: No, no doubt. They were both very yeah. good. I do want to touch on a couple of things really quick on the thirty two. So Generally speaking, I think we'll always pick up in the top eight because we just don't have time to go through the whole list of 32 one by one. I think listeners probably get bored with that. Uh, but there was somebody else that actually surprised me a lot in the top 32, and it, he didn't win. He didn't win his 32 battle. He lost to Ryan Turk, but that was actually Farouk. I thought Farouk drove really well. Back in the S14, he looks much more natural on that. I'm not saying Farouk is going to compete with a title uh, by, any, by any means anytime soon. Uh, But this guy is a lot different than the Farouk from four or five years ago. He's actually, I think, a competitor this year. And he's going to probably beat a few people. I don't think he's necessarily going to podium. I think he's got a while to come. And I don't know if his car is to the specs that it needs to be to compete in Pro 1. But when there was a few years there with Farouk, I don't even know if he would have won Pro 2. I'm not trying to be mean. He was just off. I don't know if competition was getting to him or what. Uh, but, but this year, he looks different. I thought he drove really well, went too aggressive, made some mistakes, and lost, but drove really well. Adam LZ also, I know a lot of people are, of course, always interested in what LZ is doing. His car looked great. His driving, unfortunately, did not for round one. Uh, I think it's just trials and tribulation of trying to compete with Pro 1. There's going to be some growing pains for him. And uh, Ken Gushi, of course, premiered also the A90 Supra. So there was three Supras in Formula D two of which were the new A90s. Gucci lost his top 32 to Alec Robbins, which is the rookie that you were alluding to earlier. That's right. Uh, and That's that right. Night, I remember now I will say that <laughs> I, I didn't think Robbins was that impressive last year in Pro 2. I did not expect him at all to do what he did. Alec Robbins is going to surprise people. I think that guy is going to run away with Rookie of the Year. He is absolutely impressive. Absolutely impressive. And he was yeah, super aggressive.
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to see him next round, or I guess – previous round depending on when this comes out on a track that's a little less technical you know we're coming up to an oval um a lot of people major different driving styles you know a lot, lot of different comfort levels everybody should be pretty comfor- comfortable at a oval you know i feel like most of your local tracks are ovals but not to get too carried away definitely definitely showed up to drive that was really cool to watch um i liked it i'm with you forced to be reckoned with in future rounds for sure
0: yeah, Robbins, Robbins is no joke. He's definitely here to compete. So uh, going into round two on Sunday, uh, you're looking at – just go ahead and then break down the top eight. Uh, actually, really quick, before we totally leave round one, uh, I did say who the winner and the runner-up were, but I want to make clear it was Frederick Osbo finished first and won the whole event. Ryan Trick finished second, and Odie finished third. So Odie did, po- Odie did podium that day. Odium did podium is what I was going to say. Owns. What a slip. I need to be on t T-shirt. Look, if he wins podium in every event this year, I think exactly. That's got to be a T-shirt. <laughs> Odium. Um, so, going into pro round two on Sunday, your top eight were Gucci against Field, Essa against Denofa, uh, Bakshis against JTP, again, and then Turek against Hughes, again, so he really, he really had a kind of interesting bracket because you had like several meetings and these were actually different round draws than the day before. So I want to make that clear for listeners in case they didn't watch. Uh, they drew different numbers and it just happened to be that half the bracket was basically the same people in it at the end again. Yeah. So, um, so that was your top eight. Uh, Gucci did make it to the top eight and was eliminated by Field who moved on to the top four. Essa was eliminated by DenoFA. I want to say that Essa's car was down on power and he would have lost. Taguchi and Essa met in the top 16. Taguchi beat uh, Jonathan Niren in the Mustang. I think Taguchi would have actually walked away with that one because Essa's car was down on power at that point. Uh, but Taguchi's car also broke and he was not able to get out in time. So Essa got a free pass uh, where he lost to Chelsea. Odie, of course, versus JTP again, and Odie took that match again, much like the day before. And then Turk against Hughes. Turk yet again took that match from Dylan Hughes. That set up your final four of field versus Denofa <laughs> Turk versus Baxius, which ended up as a final of Chelsea Denofa your dark horse boy, against Odie Baxius, the guy I picked uh, to win the whole season and this event. Uh, with Chelsea coming out on top. So Chelsea yeah. Denofa took first, Odie took second, and Ryan Turk took third so back-to-back days both Odie and turk podium they just switched positions uh, yeah. so very consistent top three with chelsea being the lone guy who came out of round two not in the podium in day one
1: yeah and some major key points between the two days remember gucci
0: uh
1: what they say he slipped a disc in his back yeah so yeah yep, yep. He he could have definitely had some some very different outcomes for sure, I think. And on the second day, he decided not to take any pain medication because so, he felt like his vision and his mindset was a little bit blurred on the first day. So, nonetheless, whether your vision is blurred or you're in excruciating pain, you're going to drive differently. And then on the first day, Chelsea, actually, the car broke going into outer zone four. Uh, the shifter broke on the car. So, mm-hmm. that, that had an effect on how he finished the first day as well. Um, and then – we were talking about before his interview afterwards was a little on the controversial side or more more like confusing. I wouldn't say controversial. It just kind of said he wasn't going to be aggressive when he's always extremely aggressive. It was odd. And uh, so second day, he ended up taking the win there um, with his new found confidence or whatever he was talking about.
0: (laughs) I did think it was weird that Chelsea, um, I think it was two, two different interviews, uh, but it may have been the same one where he alluded to on day one, that he thought the tr- track was basically like too hard, and that it, it like the cars had outgrown it. I thought that was a weird complaint from a guy like Chelsea, who's like a, a you know kind of balls to the walls guy, for lack of a better term. Uh, I think most fans want to see more tracks like that. We don't always want these big sweeping ovals, so it's nice to actually have that. So I'm like, no man, just 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 go out there and and change your driving style. And clearly on day two he did. Yeah. And and it you. worked
1: for him. So I'm I'm with you and everybody else. Like it, uh, when we were watching it, everybody was very confused on his his interview there after after the first day, um, and and same thing. I I second the different tracks as well. Like we're we're all very used to ovals. Come on, that, that's why Texas and St. Louis are some of my favorite days personally. I look forward to a different track layout.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. I'm totally with you on all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but your boy your boy Chelsea definitely drove. Uh, extremely well deserved the win i mean he was shredding like crazy Odie finished uh, again uh, on the podium and i want to just go back if there's anything that uh, you remember as well from the top 16 or 32 that we didn't cover we can touch on that for me i want to point out that uh, rome i thought just even being at the event after what occurred i thought was uh outstanding i mean obviously he was battling a lot of adversity from the trip to the track and i thought he drove really well it was uh, awesome. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame that he got bounced in the 32 in both rounds because he really drove well. And honestly, he really got bounced on day. I think it was day one when his door came open. I think he he should have yeah. won. He should have won. And then the door technicality they zeroed him out on, which even Ryan Sage was somewhat mum on because it didn't really <laughs> affect the driving. So he actually probably would have won. So I think he's going to be someone we got to watch when circumstances are back to normal and. Uh, I also want to mention that Taylor Hall, I forgot to mention this, grabbed a win in uh, round one, which I think is his first win ever. I went back and looked this up. I think it's his first head-to-head win ever in Formula D Pro. One after four years. That was a cool moment. I mean, he was very, very yeah. elated. I know it's a lot of work and he drives an unconventional car. Yeah, so and, it's,
1: it fun. It, and I, he, he seems to be a little bit more of a uh, budget guy. You know, he's kind of pushing himself through all this. So it's really awesome to see those kind of drivers finally get something, you know.
0: A few other kind of news and notes from the rounds. Wateru Masuyama came over from Japan. Originally, we were supposed to have four Japanese drivers, which were going to be Kazuya Teguchi, uh, Daigo Saito, uh, Wateru Masuyama, mm. and. um, yeah uh, and uh shinji manoa shinji manoa that's oh that's right. right shinji dang. so shinji has been around a long time that's a d1 driver it would have been fun <laughs> to see him over because of covid uh, masuyama is the only one who actually ended up making it over because Toguchi, of course is already here from the previous round so he was mm-hmm. also here right,
1: and uh masuyama decided to show up and he's actually lived in america for for all this. so he's not flying back and forth and right. having the logistics of that so a little easier for him to commit to the right to the whereas
0: uh, daigo is of course competing in d1 currently and then um, yeah shinji is also in formula d japan which he probably wouldn't have been that was actually the clue it wasn't really made official he wasn't making it over but i saw him running in formula d japan a week before our round started and i thought that was pretty much the answer to that question yeah he obviously didn't make it over Uh, That's a shame. And, of course, there's other people that should have been involved this year. So Brandon Soroson petitioned to, I think – he didn't have to petition, I guess. I think he actually made it through in Pro 2 last year. But Brandon Soroson, the young, I think he's 17 now. He was supposed to be in Pro 1 and did not show up. I'm not sure exactly why. He was supposed to run Pro 1 and Pro 2. He wasn't there. I'm not sure if it was an opt-out. Trent Beecham, last year's Pro 2 winner, a guy I think is probably capable of competing in Pro 1. Uh, he did, he opted out for the season about two weeks before it began due to COVID was the reasoning. And uh, of course, like you mentioned earlier, which we probably should have mentioned before now, uh, last year's overall series winner, three time series winner, uh, James Dean did not make it over and Peter Visick. they were rumored for a couple months to not make it, but officially of course, neither one is coming and there is a split ha- uh, or a split up with Wardhouse house drift team. That's going to be uh, interesting to watch. See what happens. Maybe who knows if we'll ever get them yeah. back or what. But uh, so yeah, you're they're, they're
1: competing out. overseas right now. Uh, Riga was last month, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was it was awesome. I don't know if you got to see. It was really cool. I Check it out. Check it out. I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> no, I definitely will, man. I mean, I try to <laughs> make sure I fill my schedule with drifting stuff and I have hobby time, man. <laughs> Ricky likes the European drift scene a lot. And, of course, follows Formula D hard. Um, I am huge into the Japanese drift scene. So D1 and Formula D, I follow very hard. Even like D1 lights, for example, I enjoy following as well. And, of course, Formula D over here. Uh, Ricky also likes Japanese drifting. I want to point that out. I do not want to like leave you out of that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not, a,
0: I'm not a hater. No, that's uh, – I mean, we both begin kind of with that scene anyway. But that's, yeah, that's definitely the my that's focus. Just
1: implied, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's my focus. I love watching the Japanese events like D1 and seeing the difference of drivers. All right, so let's go ahead and let's get to the upcoming rounds uh, before we wrap up the podcast tonight. Kind of give do a preview. So Monroe, Washington, a place that you probably know very good, of course, uh, being up there near Seattle.
1: Yeah, yeah, lived there for two years. Went to FD both years I was there. Um, there you go. And and outside of that, uh, DriftCon. All those all those cool West Coast events, park, been there, done that. It, it was awesome. Loved being out there for a while.
0: So Evergreen, of course, is a track we've had many times now in the past. Uh, the the brackets have already been released. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, kind of go through that really fast. So Jeff Jones is going to have a bye run. Travis Reeder is going to verse Taylor Hall. Ken Gushi is going to verse Adam LZ. Michael Essa is going to take on Farouk. Frederick Osbo will be against Jonathan Niren. Ryan Turk against Castro Forsberg against Nelson field against literal on the other side of the bracket. You have die getting a bye run Chelsea Denofa versus Alec Robbins. That's going to be a fun one. That's going to be awesome. Dan Burkett versus water Masayama. Justin Pollock against Rome. Von Gittin jr. Has a bye run. Odie is taking on Dean Carney. Uh, Kazuya Taguchi is taking on Yves Meyer. And then Dylan Hughes is taking on uh, Zhao Berion in the top 32. So that is going to be your, your bracket for day one. So last year, I think it's important for us to look at the history, okay? To kind of get like – I know who the first two finishers last year in Monroe was without even having to look it up. So um, so last year, your podium consisted of Peter Visek, James Dean, and Dai Yoshihara were your top three finishers. That is obviously not going to be the case this year with your number one and two not making it. And by the way, that was probably the best battle of all time in Formula D, or really close to it. Oh, yeah. That battle last year against Visek and Dean was absolutely incredible. I so,
1: would not change seeing that battle in person
0: with any other drift related event
1: or thing ever that I've ever seen. It was awesome.
0: It was an outstanding amazing. run. So That's amazing. just unbiased. Regardless if you like them or not, absolutely outstanding right. run. <clears throat> couple of runs, two runs. Yeah. So uh, looking at the top 32 again, I um, I think that you look at the easy paths, and I right. think it, it's going to be interesting. Dai certainly doesn't have an easy path. He has a bye run, and then he's going to verse Denova Robbins. That run is going to be insane. Okay. Masuyama yeah, yeah. has probably his highest likelihood of getting around one win against Dan Burkett. That's not a knock on Dan Burkett. Um, he's just not as <laughs> consistent as some other drivers. So there's yes, an yes. opportunity there for a guy like Masuyama who drives pretty aggressive and puts pressure to get a win.
1: Those are the kind of battles we're going to like to see, though.
0: Oh, you know, definitely.
1: The, yeah. And then, and like you're saying, Hughes, Barry that's going to be cool. And, and Turk mm-hmm. and Castro Castro showed up before and who it, it was a couple of years ago. He went like three, one more times. Um,
0: yes. And yeah, I think like three years ago, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That, it,
1: it was a while ago. I'm living in the past, but I, I want him to do that again. So, and, and, and Turk, somebody, I think he could do it with.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I think he can Castro. I, I'm just, he always seems just one step behind again, not a knock. I think he's a pro yeah. one level driver uh Turk, the way he's driving—that's going to be, that's going to be a hard one for Jonathan to try to come back. But he does pull a rabbit out of the hat sometimes, especially how aggressive he is in the chase. Right, right. Washington always has some controversial stuff, so that's going to be fun to see too. Definitely. I think last year the controversy was the Forsberg run, of course, with uh, did one he break, them, check yeah. or let off, or did he not? And the
1: uh, yeah. Yoshi and Von Gittin Yep, yep. Had, had had a big thing. Yoshi kind of dive on the car super low. And mm-hmm. I mean, Vaughn Vaughn went up in the stands and was arguing with Robbie Nishida about it. And yeah, de- definitely a track that always has some excitement.
0: So it is changing up. If you look at the map this year, it's actually changing up. So they're gonna have I think it's a full zone on the outside rather than a touch and go coming in a turn one. So that's gonna be an interesting thing to see if that like helps flatten out some of those issues. But nonetheless, uh it's gonna be uh, interesting to watch. I don't know really who has the easiest path of the big shots. I think Jeff Jones is going to either versus Reader or Hall in the second. Jeff's going to have an easy way going into at least the top eight. Uh, not, I shouldn't say easy. Not that Reader and Hall aren't capable of winning, but Jones just happened to get the least stacked side, I think. Yeah, yeah. Not the uh, you
1: know, hardest to
0: predict. Portion of that bracket. Adam LZ continues to have really bad first draws. Like, Ken Gushi is going to be a hard one to go up against. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gushi, I think, has got some learning to do still in the Supra, so Adam could potentially catch right. him. Uh, but I and think again, Adam's
1: we're too. same thing with Gushi. We're still only a month away from – I mean, I'm, I'm, hopefully he'll be a little bit more healed. I'm sure he's been doing some, uh, some yoga or you know, some stretching or something to help that back out.
0: Hopefully, doing something, yeah. yeah. I, I, just like we did the first time, two, two people. Who do you think you can pick two drivers uh, to win this weekend? Uh, and it counts like double. So, like, let's say you picked one <laughs> and the same guy wins both. Like, that's fine. You get both. You're not picking okay. uh, both days. You're just picking two potential drivers because there's two rounds.
1: All right. I'm going to do Dinofa on this one. Coming out with a win from last time. And he does really well. He's just had some rough patches at this track, but but he does well. He's really aggressive at this track. He he's always got the, I I think one of the best entries at this track, and uh, as long as he can carry out through and and, and not have any uh, technical nonsensory, you know whatever. Um, so I'm going to go with Denofa, and and I like Odie again. Two super aggressive sur- circle track guys.
0: Definitely. That's
1: yeah. That's my pick, man. I'm 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 digging those guys this year. <sighs>
0: So Forsberg finished fourth last year. I did see the first three. And of course, we're now minus Peter, right. James. Uh, we have Die and Forsberg. I'm going to pick Die again. And okay. I'm also, I think, going to pick Forsberg. I think Forsberg's probably he, – he did well last year at this track. I, I for whatever reason, think that he's probably going to make a run at it this time. So I'm going to go with Forsberg on that one.
1: Yeah, that's a a fair choice for sure. He was – Really on last year as well. I mean, especially at Seattle, he's on everywhere. He's like just a machine, just really, really consistent driver. So,
0: regardless what you think of him, he's yeah. definitely a consistent driver. Yeah. I know that he's yeah. controversial, and but yeah, yeah he, he's going to capitalize on
1: his opponent, and and he does that at every track. But it's just when when it's up against Chelsea Dinofa or another overly aggressive driver, where where he's going to capitalize on that driver's aggression more than anything. I don't think his you know. the The internet hype is that he's cheating. His car's doing this and that. That's not what's going on, I don't think. He's just, he's a competition driver. Ford's is going to show up and race his opponent every single time.
0: All right, so getting close to wrapping up our first podcast. Again, we want to tell our listeners, thank you so much for being with us and uh, giving us a shot. Uh, We always welcome comments and suggestions i do want to leave with talking about something that occurred this last week i think is going to be huge and we'll definitely have more talk on this but i'd like us to talk about the nissan z proto review a little bit this of course can definitely impact drifting Um, i'll kind of lead here to start off just kind of give some uh some overall like facts about the car so your dimensions are it's 172 and a half inches by 72.8 inches in width and 51.6 inches in height. Uh, your length, of course, being the 172.5. Your tires, the ones they showed on that particular reveal, were 255 40 19s and 285 35 19s in the rear. Uh, it's we know that's running a twin turbo V6. Uh, we assume that's going to be another VQ. And the biggest news and the clear shots taken at Toyota were, of course, Nissan touching on and showing the six speed manual uh, no no questions whatsoever if it's coming a manual anymore they clearly put those to bed it's definitely coming a manual and they're very excited to talk about that hallelujah I'm excited so, uh, to listen i'm gonna let you kind of lead on what you thought about that reveal walk us through your initial thoughts and kind okay. of where you're at now <laughs> all right so in the week i have gone
1: 180 i saw it the color put me in a bad mood the out of nowhere, headlights put me in a bad mood. I, my, my first two days, I, I hated it. Uh,
0: I, know. I know you were not happy when we were talking <laughs> I was, I was about so this.
1: Upset. Um, I, I, I calmed down, you know, I, uh, I had a Snickers and, and since then I I've really been liking the car. Like I, I, I gave a little bit more chance. I, I listened to what Nissan was saying it, it it looks good. I see the heritage. It's there. The, the, there's there's almost no rear bumper. Like it is so much like like an original Z. It it's a really good looking car. And in the weeks time, we've seen so many uh, renditions of of the Photoshop guys, and it that helped me a lot. And then I kind of calmed down a little, you know. So, and yeah. it it's a good looking car. And what it's going to come down to again is what me and you talked about for a while is is the price point. Um, that I think is one of Nissan's things they're I don't want to say struggling. Their cars don't struggle. They seem to do well. There's Z cars all over the road, but for us more, you know, biased grassroots drifters, you know, it's, it's hard to look at a $40,000 car and be like, yeah, let's toss it around at the, the local track. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So kind of piggybacking on that without getting off it. The last 15 years of Nissan for me has been tragic I've lost complete, like, all faith in them. Yeah. Basically, since the S15 wrap production and Nissan was taken over by, uh, of course, French design, European design, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't been as thrilled with it. And uh, certainly, I don't think they've had anything really worth note in that time. The only thing I think worth note was the IDX. And Nissan, of course, is no longer doing the IDX. Uh, if there's people still holding on, hope. I don't know what you're holding on to at this point. The IDX yeah, is gone. not coming. That was going to be the Sylvia... Predecessor. I mean, I think it's like the worst kept secret. And uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it is just, uh, it's not going to happen. And uh, so I lost a lot of faith in them. The Z reveal is a little bit different for me than you. So you pretty much like hated it at that at time. I remember, I mean, I don't know if hate, maybe is where you really disliked it when we were talking. No, I'm,
1: I'm glad they were private messages. I'm glad it was a private conversation for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't get detailed, but you weren't yeah, happy yeah, with it. <laughs> I, I would say I was lukewarm. I wasn't like super thrilled with the design. I don't think a lot of people like the color, uh, but I, I saw there was probably potential there. I liked it better than the three So that was an improvement. And then of course coming in a manual, a Japanese car manufacturer in 2020 uh, talking about making a twin turbo car with a manual was absolutely amazing. So that kind of like won me over a bit. I think with, a little bit more. So this car is probably at least a year and a half away. Some people think it's going to come out soon. It's, I'm guessing a year and a half if Nissan makes it, uh, which things aren't really good for them right now, but hopefully they do. So let's go a year and a half to two years away. That car comes out with a little bit of design change. Uh, I can see it looking good. And with the aftermarket being strong, I think it has a real shot to look good. The other important factor is everybody keeps talking about Supra versus Z. The Supra is sitting here at 50000 as a starting cost. Yeah. The Z currently, I think the 370Z actually starts at 299. A lot of people don't yeah. realize that, but I think technically the Z starts at 299. Now, whether you can find one at 299 might be the question. Uh, but this car, even if it gets a moderate price bump, will probably only be in the mid-30s to upper 30s. So if you're looking at upper 30s, what I think is more realistic, it's still considerably cheaper than the Supra. So that 'll be the other important factor there yeah, I agree with you the The, the two cars aren't aren 't comparable
1: and and that 's from from everything from the idea of it to its actual existence they 're they're, they're not comparable cars you know mm-hmm. Nissan made their own car uh, toyota didn 't you know yeah i mean and yeah yeah it, it, it's it's all i I let price point affect me a lot um, because i don 't have as much of the hatred towards American cars. As a lot of our, uh, you know, drifter friends do and all that, but um, so I'm really just hoping Nissan. No comment. Can... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm talking to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I just hope they keep it affordable. You know, I want I want another FRS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: yeah, I I think that's. Uh, I'm hoping. I think high 30s is the goal. If Nissan tries to get into the mid 40s. This car is probably not going to succeed. Uh, but if they can keep right. it under 40000 as a starting price tag, uh, I think they've got a good shot with this one to at least capture Z fans and potentially bring on new fans as well, like myself. I mean, if I want to look at a new sport car in the right. 30s, is still something I could possibly justify. Getting close to 50 for 300 <laughs> many horsepower is non-justifiable. No. Uh, so I'm interested to see. I want to see if this design will grow on me. The Supra did. I was not a fan of the new Supra. I didn't like the BMW built it. I wasn't a fan of it uh, in pictures and videos. But when I actually saw the first one I saw on the street, uh, I thought it was actually a really good looking car. And then watching D1 last year, they had two premiere and D1. Uh, when right. Formula D still had none last year, and they looked really good, especially modified. The aftermarket for the new Supra is strong, and it makes the car so look aggressive. very mean. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Kawabata especially. We'll touch on D1 and Formula D Japan next podcast. I wanted to kind of do that, this one. Uh, but we just kind of ran out of time. So we're going to do that next podcast. But if you haven't seen and you're listening, if you haven't seen Kawabata, his, his new A90 Supra, do yourself a favor and Google it. And most of those results are going to be from last year's livery. Make sure you find this year's. Noriaro yeah. did a video on it on YouTube. Uh, you can see it. It is a beautiful car. And it looks mean. Heed this advice. Yeah, it is an aggressive vehicle. It, it is awesome. It's nice. It's nice. So if the new Z has a similar support from Japan, I think with the aftermarket, it can be a mean looking car and it can be fine. I think it, it can be an yeah. okay vehicle. So it'll be yeah, fun to for see. Me,
1: Yeah, for me, wrapping up on the Z, it's, it goes into production
0: and, it, and it's a good car.
1: I think in the long run. That's, that, that's where I stand with it. If I think pro- it'll work. Props to
0: Nissan. It's been years since yeah. I
1: could say that. But props to good. Nissan. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good car.
0: All right, Ricky. So I think that's going to wrap up uh, episode one for us. If you are going to be listening to this podcast, we would love to talk with our listeners. We love to hear suggestions. Like, please feel free to comment uh, and just let us kind of know like what you want to hear or what we could do better. It's been uh, fun talking with you tonight, sir. And I think you you as well, Matthew. And I look forward to two weeks from now where we can catch up on round three and four. A little bit of a news uh, tidbit that I should touch on before we go. Uh, just in case our listeners haven't seen, Formula D round three, right. which was originally scheduled for October 16th and 17th, I believe, I think that's Saturday and Sunday, has been yeah. moved. Uh, so mm-hmm. currently it has been moved now to, uh, I think, the end of October. So the Dallas-Texas. Yeah, I think event. it was the last
1: weekend of the month,
0: yeah. Right, October thirtieth, uh, the 30th, October 30th through November 1st. So that'll continue with round uh, five and six and also approach to round three. Uh, They had to move it because for COVID they are, they changed the dates. Like they're not allowing any uh, track events due to COVID before October, I think the 25th. So they had to move that. There was some
1: NASCAR involvement with that as well. Um, Right, right. Yeah. I don't have too many details on that, but they got their, something like that. Their greedy hands in there is what happened. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So we're going to be a little bit later uh, or that one's going to be a little bit later. We're still going to do our podcast every two weeks. Uh, So we will uh, see you guys in two weeks to talk about uh, around three and four and also a little bit, a little bit more stuff at that point. So we'll get there. All right, Ricky, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And uh, thank you listeners for checking out the e-break and you guys have a wonderful day and a great week.